Praise the Lord. I uh, hope you have a Bible on your phone or a Bible. We, Sunday morning, our computer and our video worked fine. And um, something happened between Sunday morning and Sunday night. And um, <clears throat> it started out, I guess, okay. And I don't know if a cable went out. They we ordered a new cable tried that that wasn't the culprit so we're not sure if um, the computer plug or I am not um, uh, I don't have all the technical expertise so it's not to get it fixed wonderful tech people have been working on it. So unfortunately, we don't have the video up front. We do have um, <coughs> video, but it's um, uh, we were going to show the video from um, um, the family of David and uh, Barrett who we were going to show that and uh, unfortunately that did not get to be shown, but we will show it. Um, and we will <clears throat> try to get caught up. I, we are growing apostolic legacy. I, I really wanna talk about, <clears throat> teach about Habakkuk. And you may know it's in the Old Testament, it's a very small book, it's only three chapters. It um, is um, very little is known about Habakkuk. You can turn there, the word means to embrace. <clears throat> the Hebrew root word is to wrestle, to grab and, and sort of wrestle, almost, if you will, like Jacob who wrestled with the angel uh, that was the theophany in Genesis, this 32nd chapter, and you remember <clears throat> what Jacob said to that theophany was, I won't let you go, what? Until you bless me. So it was that grabbing hold, that <clears throat> holding on for dear life, I think sometimes um, you talk about getting a bulldog grip, uh, you know, getting a, uh, I, I, my mind goes to an old poster that was maybe years old and you, some of you may remember it, a little kitten and it was like um, holding on to a pole and said, hang in there, baby. You know, the little kitten was holding on for dear life on a broomstick. I don't know if any of you remember seeing that, but that sense of grabbing hold. And it's, I, I, I'm almost that when you think of the word Habakkuk, meaning to embrace, it, the root word to wrestle, to grab, uh, is used even in Ecclesiastes, third chapter, where it says there is, you know, to everything there is a time, a season, and it goes through things. One uh, time to sow, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to cry, a time, a time. Well, one of them is a time to embrace. Refrain from embracing. And when you think of that, it means... You know, you do have to, at times, let things go. Uh, I've seen people that have held and bitterness and or the world or relationships in the world. And it's like, you know, there is a time that you have to let go. There is a time you have to let go of people that may have been been good for you and your direction and 
So uh, when Solomon wrote uh, Ecclesiastes, the preacher, he talks about uh, there is a time that you grab hold and then there's a time to refrain from embracing. The New Testament, um, in the book of Acts, I don't know, like I said, if you have your Bible, but Acts, the 11th chapter, he is uh, Paul, I believe, let me see, Acts, the 11th chapter, um, it is um, uh, Simon Peter is preaching, uh, and, and he says this, he says, uh, John indeed baptized with water. He is, he is talking to um, them and um, he, he comes and he says, um, the tidings came to the church which is in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas that he should go to Antioch. When he came, verse 23, Acts 11, 23, he had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave, uses that word, cleave unto the Lord. And that same is the same as the Hebrew word, uh, to embrace, to grab hold. And the Bible talks about a man should cleave unto his wife. And we think of a cleaver as cutting something in half, but the word in the Old English meant to grab hold. And so what's amazing in, in this hour is that, you know, we don't see that kind of commitment, if you will. And, and of course, there was at times, even in the Old Testament and even in, in the New Testament, there were people that were not that committed. Um, you know, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And, and we see even now relationships and people, I uh, don't want to get married. I don't want to make a commitment, but that's not new. If you remember reading in St. John, the fourth chapter, when Jesus said, I have needs go, must needs go to Samaria, he met a lady there and he was talking to her about giving her a drink and giving him a drink and she got into a discussion. She was a Samaritan and you remember what, how she identified herself and said, I I'm, you know, you're a Jew, you shouldn't ask me. I'm a woman and a Samaritan and I should not be, uh, you know, we shouldn't have this discussion basically. And what happened was the Lord kind of cut to the chase. What did he, what question you remember he asked her? You have to use your brain tonight. He said, oh, well, go tell your husband. And you remember her response? I don't have a husband. Oh, I, I don't have a husband. Now, that was a nice way of saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not married. But guess what? The Lord saw through that. And he said, oh, yeah, you're, you're telling the truth. You've had five of those. And you're living with a guy now. And he's not your husband. Now, I know in our society, that's not maybe unheard of. You know, I remember when I was younger, everybody was talking about how many husbands Elizabeth Taylor had. You remember? I don't know, five, six, seven. She was going through them like slices of bread, I guess. I don't know. I, I just remember hearing that she'd been married a bunch of times. Does anybody remember that? Me? Yeah. But, and it, be, and it made big news about how many times she'd been married and divorced. Well, here's a lady who, first of all, was living with a guy. Of course, she wasn't. Jewish, she was Samaritan, but they were half-breeds. And so that within that culture, and she'd already been married and divorced five times, 
And I, I know, like I said, in this society, it may not be as big of a deal, but it's obvious that she either was a very poor choice of husbands or she didn't know how to cleave. Nothing satisfied her. Right. Now, you remember what? The Lord did not give her the Holy Ghost. Read it in St. John, the fourth chapter. He, she didn't talk in tongues. She didn't get baptized in Jesus' name. He simply told her, he said, I can give you water that will quench your thirst. You'll never have to drink again. And she immediately went and began to tell everybody about the man that she met. There was a peace, a satisfaction from simply his word. Not even, a, it was a word of promise. He didn't give her the Holy Ghost, but it was about the infilling of this water, of a, a, a river, a, a well of water, living water springing up. Read it in St. John, the fourth chapter. And while she didn't actually receive it, just the promise of it cha changed her life, transformed her. How much more should the presence of Almighty God transform, change our lives and something to grab hold of and cleave to and that would sustain us. And I, I get amazed at how many times individuals will <laughs> repent, be baptized, get filled with the Holy Ghost and they allow the enemy to steal from them the joy that should come, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And they allow the enemy to steal the joy and to rob them and to make them feel bad. And the answer is you've got to embrace the Lord. As I said Sunday, you've got to give God a hug. You've got to emotionally. And, and David wrote, you read Psalms 107 and you can turn and, and there are numerous places in Psalms, but Psalms, the 107th chapter, you will see where David said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. And he goes on through, and he let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And he gets down to the ninth verse, and he says, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. I want to tell you something. The Lord can satisfy like no one else, nothing else can satisfy. And that's what's amazing to me is the fact that sometimes people will not embrace enough of the presence of God and let it flow through them enough that he will not that they're, they're not satisfied. They're always looking for something, looking for something to make me happy, looking for something to keep me excited. And unfortunately, our, our phone, you know, believe it or not, I, I remember when there were actually three uh, channels. You could sometimes get the fourth on TV, and there was an Indian head that came on late at night, 11 or 12, and from that time till six o'clock when they played the national anthem and there was nothing on. How did we survive? We didn't have computers to look at. We didn't have programs to watch. We didn't have something to put on at night to make us fall asleep. I, I remember when we you know, the best that you could do, I used to have one. I don't know, it's probably in the barn somewhere. Big, a big thing my mom and dad got. And it was all the cassette tapes of the Bible. You could listen to the Bible. Now you can put it on your phone. And they were story adaptations of the Bible. 
but something to satisfy, something to, and yet we are living in a world in the last 10 years, 20 years, uh, that nothing, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm, I've got to go from one thing to another. I'm bouncing off the walls. I, I've got to have, you know, I've got to have stimulation. I've got to have somebody, I, I've got to have something to do. I'm bored. I'm, I'm bored out of my mind. Not with one channel, not with four channels. I got 400 million billion. Not counting all the reruns that you can watch on Hulu, Netflix, Timo, BritBox, Prime, Zippity Doo Dah. And the cable companies have gotten into it on demand, on demand. I demand something now. I demand to be entertained. And yet, what is amazing is embracing, can we embrace the Word? Can I embrace time with the Lord? We were out, out west and, of course, the National Park, Yellowstone, Tetons, and until you get to one of their lodges, there's no cell service, there's no internet. And I had people text me later and say, did you get my text? And I'd say, sorry, did not. And it was almost fun. I miss phone calls. I miss text. I didn't miss them that much, but And most of it, it wasn't from people here that knew, everybody here knew I was gone, but it was other people calling. Of course, yesterday and the day before, they made up for it. But what are you saying? What a, we, are, we are not, we are a society that, can I embrace the Lord? Do I take a moment? Do I take a moment in the morning? Do I take a moment in the evening? Do I take a moment three times a day like Daniel and say, Lord, I want to just spend five minutes, just five minutes, not look at my phone, not look at, and just say, Lord, I'm here to talk to you for a moment. Wow. As we get nearer and nearer the coming of the Lord, I believe how much more we're going to need to embrace the Lord, to cleave to the Lord. And when you look at the book of Habakkuk, as I said Sunday, it is a book that is not written to anyone. It is a book about a dialogue between Habakkuk and God. It's three chapters, not long chapters. And when you look at chapter one, it is Habakkuk is, is discussing his burden and he begins asking questions. And you could maybe group them into two main questions or three main questions. It's basically chapter one, he's like, God, why don't you answer? God, why don't you keep your people from violence because what's going on and I, I, I can show you in Kings and Chronicles but what's going on is that the Assyrians have captured the northern ten tribes already and now the Babylonians are coming, the Chaldeans are coming actually, are coming down and they are gobbling up the land and it is like he can see on the horizon that they're soon to overtake Judah, which was made up of the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. It's where Jerusalem is. And, and we know very little about uh, Habakkuk, who he was. We believe he was a Levite and a singer. And if you want to know why, go to the third chapter because he talks about even in the last verse of the book of Habakkuk, he, he mentions on the instruments. He talks about in chapter 3, verse 19, about on my instruments. And he's talking about the worship. So only the Levites were allowed to perform uh, or to play the music and the worship. And so we 
believe that he was probably a Levite from the fact that he puts that in first person. But this first chapter is that why God are you not answering? Why are you not keeping your people from violence? And then uh, sort of maybe the third main group, why are you tolerating evil? Lord, why are you letting people that are so evil get by with so much? And it's basically he's expressing to God the problem of trying to keep the faith. You, you might say it's crying faith. It's grappling faith. It's hard. I, I need to know what's going on. Chapter 2, he kind of switches to he's now talking about his vision and the answer of faith and what he is seeing the solution. And then chapter 3, uh, again, very short chapters is his prayer, his assurance of faith, and he starts singing. So he goes in chapter one from unburdening, chapter two to getting a vision, chapter three to breaking out in assurance or song. And as I mentioned Sunday, there are uh, three times that Habakkuk 2 and 4 where he sort of begins this answer of faith and, and he uses that verse that we know so powerfully where he says, uh, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And so, next slide for me. For those, Sorry, they're on the back actually, but you don't need to, you can turn around and look at them or I can send them to you. Uh, anyway, that, that verse is quoted in Galatians, the third chapter, where he says the just shall live by faith. In Romans, the first chapter, where he says, herein is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then finally in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, it is also quoted where it says, now the just shall live by faith. So, when you look at that verse is the most singular, most quoted verse in the New Testament. So Habakkuk has a, a real place of prominence in the New Testament. Actually, Paul refers to Habakkuk in, in sort of a roundabout area way in a couple of other places as well. In uh, you know, after he told him in Galatians, faith works by love. And so when you, you realize that when Habakkuk closes out his books, he says basically to the chief singer on my stringed instrument. So we believe that in fact, Habakkuk was probably a Levite. Now, if you have your Bibles or if you want to go on your phone, Habakkuk, the first chapter and the first four verses, if you want to just look at it and uh, read, read along with me uh, if you have a Bible and if you don't, I understand. And uh, if you're having trouble finding it on Blue Letter, I understand that as well or, or Bible app, I get it. We're not used to this. You better get used to it. Brother Easter's on his way in September. He'll get you. Uh, Habakkuk, first chapter. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. The burden. And he, it, it's, he is carrying this burden, that word is a load, is a heavy load. I, I don't know if anybody can relate to Habakkuk, feeling like, oh God, I am just under the weight of it all. That's how Habakkuk felt. And he then goes into it, the second verse, his burden. He talks about his burden. He laments. He cries. 
How long shall I cry and you won't hear? I cry to you out of violence and you don't save. Why? He asked that famous question. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? In other words, Lord, I can see what's going on. Why do you let me see it? I, I, I see what people are doing. I see how people are acting. Why? Spoiling and violence are before me, and there are those that raise up strife and contention. And, and I want to tell you, the world is absolutely, it is on tender hooks. It, it's amazing. I, I know, I, I confess all the time I, that I am, you know, probably horrible, driver and I get that but I get amazed at the number of people that I, today I, I was driving and I wasn't I wasn't in a hurry I wasn't speeding and I there was two lanes and I went around this individual and I don't know if he thought I had been following too close or I was he didn't like the look of me or something but he you know passed me a flipped me a sign that I You know, he was mad about something. I, I didn't honk my horn. I, I and I, I wanted to wave, and then I thought that'd make him mad. So I just said, "Oh Lord, help him, touch him." I, I don't know. It's like, you know. There's a whole level of frustration and violence and people ready to get angry. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one seeing it. I don't know. And Habakkuk goes on in verse 4, Therefore the law is slack. Judgment doth never go forth. He said, I feel like nobody gets, nobody gets their comeuppance. Nobody gets corrected. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceeds. When he opens up this burden, the burden that the prophet Habakkuk, it reminded me of, of how Paul wrote in Romans the eighth chapter about all of creation is groaning, is moaning, is waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. And we almost, uh, let me tell you, we're almost there where people are just like, what else can, what else can happen? What else can? We've almost all said, I can't, it, it's unbelievable. And especially maybe, you know, in our nation where we felt like we were somewhat godly or Christian. And, and when you read David repeatedly, he would say things like, my soul is sore vexed. And he would ask, Lord, how long? And in the sixth chapter of Psalms, in the 13th chapter of Psalms, in the 74th chapter, in the 94th chapter, the same David repeatedly said, how long, how long, how long? Are we almost there? Have we almost reached the point where we're praying, come quickly? Lord, I don't know how much longer. And, and I realize I got a call from Brother Felix Crowder Monday or Tuesday, and his wife was looking for something for their bathroom and found it online and and um happened to be in Newark and she came she told her husband I want to go down and look at this sink and see if it'll fit in the bathroom and countertop and 
they came down and it happened to be uh, Brandon um, Schiltz, he thinks. He said it was a big, young, big guy named Brandon. And uh, I said, well, I think I know who that is. And Brother Crowder basically invited him to our church. And Brandon said, well, I, my 13-year-old is going to softball and I've been busy. And, but I, I, I know about it. And Brother Crowder said, I told him, you need to get there. You're one second from eternity. I said, amen. And I, I'm, what was ironic when Brother Crowder was telling me that, I had just read a couple of reports from people in Lahaina, in Maui. My wife and I have been there, preached there, did, been in the city, all of this. She did a women's conference in Lahaina on the island of Maui. I have, in fact, we got this wooden bowl in Maui. And we have prayer claws in. They gave it. Sister Showstrand, United Pentecostal 2004 Ladies Conference. Maui. And I was reading reports. One woman talked about these people ran and got in their car because they thought the air conditioner would help filter the air. And somebody came by and told them, said, get out, come with us. We're going to go down to the ocean. And they said, no, leave us alone and whatever. And she went in the ocean and they she climbed over and another lady was running the other way and they grabbed and they were telling them, please go follow us. We'll get over into the ocean and help each other. And this woman was saved. She had burns on her face. But the, the, she said, and I don't know if these people made it or not. I, I don't know, but I could hear cars exploding from the heat that was from the burning buildings. Even though they were in a car in the middle of the street, it got so hot that the fumes of gas exploded. and the raging fire and the inferno and sweeping the land. And I know you can blame it all on global warning, although warming, although a guy told him the electric company two years ago that it was a tender box because they had not cleared any of the dead leaves around the town and the wind blew probably what they think now is the wind blew a telephone pole or a power pole over and it sparked it and that's what as those poles snap 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 all around the city it made a ring of fire that went right to the ocean whether they'll ever know or not but the, the raging inferno and yet where do you run how do you get away you say oh pastor that wouldn't that be horrible yes it's horrible I was reading it I was, and I was thinking of what brother Crowder said and I thought you know if there was ever a moment we need to try to warn people. Yes. Yes. I, I realize you say, well, is the world on fire? I think it's on fire more than I've ever seen it on fire. People are angry. People are... And... and, and Paul wrote in Romans, the third chapter, about how all of mankind are corrupt and liars and deceitful and wicked and cursing and evil. In fact, he said, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. And he, he wraps that chapter up by saying, all have sinned and come short of the... So I'm not pointing fingers and saying I'm perfect or the church is perfect what I'm saying is that if there was ever a time when it is wicked and our soul should be vexed it's this time and you read the fifth verse <clears throat> let's 
Let's plow on through this first chapter at least before our time is out. Habakkuk 1 and 5 was, listen listen to his, his next statements. Behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. This is the Lord's response. He is saying, I'm going to do something unbelievable. And then you know what that unbelievable is? I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land and possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible, dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves and their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from afar and they shall fly as the eagle that hasten to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup as the east wind and they shall gather captivity as the sand and they shall scoff at the kings and the princes shall be a scorn to them and they shall deride every stronghold. They shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change. He shall pass over and offend imputing his power unto his God. What the Lord said is I am going to let those spirits Run rampant. And let me just tell you, if you think it's bad now, the Lord is fixing to let it go. That's what the whole book of Revelation is about. At some point, he said, I'm going to let them go. And they are going to feel like and believe that you know they are able to uh, do whatever they want without impunity and you know what that spirit is almost here nobody nobody can stop me nobody can keep me in check I can do what I want You don't tell me what to do. You don't tell me how to act. You don't tell me, huh? I don't care if you're the principal. I don't care if you're the boss. I don't care who you are. And, you know, well, they're all corrupt. It doesn't matter. Biden's corrupt. Trump's corrupt. Everybody's corrupt. So I can do what I want. It's a spirit that's out there. I'm not saying they're all trustworthy, but what I'm telling us all is, guess what? That's a spirit that can get a hold of us. In fact, when you go into the book of Acts, the 13th chapter, that very phrase is quoted, Acts chapter 13 in uh, verse 40 and 42 Paul this is Paul's sermon he is quoting this and he says verse 40 13th chapter of Acts verse 40 behold therefore lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets and he's speaking of Habakkuk behold you despisers and wonder and perish for I work a work in your days a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. He was saying that to the Jews. And when the, when the Jews heard it, they got mad, got up, and walked out of the synagogue. And the Gentiles said, man, tell us about it. What are you saying? I am saying that there are those that no matter, you can tell them we're living in the last days. You've got just one second before eternity. And I, 
I, I'm doing what I want to do. And I, I, I read this report of this individual saying, I don't, I don't know. I tried to tell him, you need to get out of the car. But I'm safe here. I'm going to tell you something. We preached it, this church, for over a hundred years has a message. Are we, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming, and we've gone through a pandemic. You've gone through things that you would think, oh, that would convince them. They'll come to God now. They'll, they'll repent now. They'll be in the house of the Lord now. Go on, I, I, just the last five verses of this first chapter of Habakkuk. He says it like this. Here's, here's Habakkuk's amazing response to God. I, and it's important because it's okay to ask God why and what's going on if you can pray like Habakkuk prayed. If you're praying with your hands on your hip and saying, God, I don't understand. You need to do this and you need to do that. That doesn't work. That doesn't get it. But listen to how Habakkuk's response. He said, art thou from everlasting, verse 12 of the first chapter. Oh, Lord, my God, my holy one. He was praying with humility. He was asking with humility. He was asking and believing. God, you indeed are. I am not doubting your faithfulness. He said you are from everlasting. You know, I've been overwhelmed at times and I say, Lord, how much, what are you going to, when are you going to answer? What are you, what, oh yeah, but make sure you do it with humility. Make sure you're doing it humbly asking God and praising God. I know you are from everlasting. Read what he says in, on down in verse 13. I mean, in verse 12, he said, We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. In other words, Lord, I know your promises. You said you would bring us through. I don't know whether it'll be me or not, but you said, you're going to have a church that's alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. So whether or not I'm part of this church or the dead in Christ, I know Lord, you're going to have somebody that loves you, worships you, buried in your name, filled with your Holy, the Holy Spirit. He says, and then he says, Almighty God in verse 12, first chapter. That's like rock. Oh, my rock. He says, I know ultimately you have ordained them for correction. I've read, and they didn't have revel, rev, the book of Revelation. You and I have the book of Revelation. I've read the back of the book. I know what's going to happen, folks. Oh, it's global warming. I'm afraid. I'm not afraid. He said he's going to burn it with a fervent heat. Hello? I got tickled one day. We took a, a guided bus around, and a lady was telling us all about this is the caldera, and this is there where the volcano was, and this is where it was, and you don't have anything to worry about. Scientists have said it's not going to explode for another 25,000 years, and I thought, and then it came out my mouth. I just... I said, well, scientists told me that if I took that shot, I wouldn't get COVID, too. And anyway, I 
I said, well, that was an inside thought, came on the outside, shut that down. I don't I trust him. I want to tell you something. The Lord is ultimately in control. And that's what Habakkuk was saying. I know, he said, you've established correction. Verse 13, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on iniquity. Wherefore, look upon those that deal treacherously and hold thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. He says, I know, Lord, you're swallowing when these people that are not as righteous are seem like they're winning and they seem like it's all going their way and the whole society is changing to follow a minority just rest assured the lord sees and knows and he knows what's going on yes. Yes. even though you may feel and habakkuk said verse 14 i feel like just a fish swimming in the sea and there's nobody there and they're casting a net when you read it and they pull them in and everybody is rejoicing that they are able to get whatever. Then verse 16, he said, they sacrifice unto their net, burn incense unto their drag or hooks. In other words, they think we've won, we've won, we've won. I want to tell you something. The enemy is so f stupid that they really believe yes. that they're stamping out people that love God. And you're seeing a swing for some of these young folks, I believe, for a great revival because by them their portion is fat, their meat plenteous, shall therefore... They therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations. What are you saying? In this hour, we see what's going on and the burden. The second chapter, he begins to turn it around. And I, I, I know it's 8 o'clock and it's hard to follow, but... It's the second chapter in the fourth verse where it talks about the just shall live by his faith. What was Habakkuk saying was, saying was, you know what? I see what's going on, but I am going to grab hold of God. I am somehow going to believe. I am going to, in fact, he said, I'm going to get into a tower. I'm going to set a watch. What, in first verse of the second chapter, let me just read this first verse. He said, I will stand upon my watch and set me on the tower and will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. You know what uh, Habakkuk was saying? I am going to get a different perspective. I've been looking at all the bad, time to climb a tower. That's kind of like looking like God looks. Look down on what's going on. Hey, you know what? The Lord's still in control. You got to, sometimes you got to get a different perspective. You know what? <laughs> it may look like everything is going down. But, you know, the church is getting ready to either have an influx. Why? Of people that look at us and say, why is it that you're not concerned, worried, stressed? Why is your heart not overwhelmed? As David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. Why? Because I can climb up and realize, you know what? The Lord's still got all of this under control. Heaven is his throne and the earth is his. You can say, well, pastor, it just seems like the wicked are winning and it seems like everything. I'll tell you, what it, what it is, is the Lord is fixing to bring judgment. I mean, 
Revelation is going to happen. We preached it. We taught it. My dad, I've got it in the barn somewhere. Big, long, 80-foot chart. Daniel's vision. Anybody remember seeing all of that? How many years ago? I've used the charts in the... Oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And we start seeing it, a cashless society. We start seeing all these signs. No regard for parents. No regard for gender. Confusion. How many years have we been authorizing burning our children at Molech? <laughs> you don't think. Huh? Dottie Schertzinger sent me a picture of this little baby earlier today when I sent out a prayer request of this little couple-week-old child. I, I prayed. I cried, Lord. I, of course, I was thinking of our own new baby. And, and I, I begin to think, how many people have killed children I want the right to do that. I believe I am owed. That's me. I'm selfish. My body. I want to do what I want to do. When and how. What are you saying, Pastor? Are you saying unpardonable? No. But what I'm saying is the spirit behind that is very selfish. There are people that would I, I know be glad to adopt or have or and, and I, I wonder Lord how long how long when do you go it's enough you say well we're not like the heathen we don't burn them at a statue well I'm telling you we're not far off when you consider the millions and then the huge fight over it all and, and I understand, I, I, you know, and there's exceptions, and I, I get all of that. But I, I get, I'm amazed at where a nation would be. What are you saying? I'm saying, oh, God, how long? So that I can live, do what I want, and then not have any consequences. Habakkuk said, I need to climb a tower, see like God sees, and say, Lord, I want, I know you're in control. It may not look like, but you're in control. Let's stand.